Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Somebody say, I'm ready. Come on, somebody say, I am ready for the word, man. I'm ready. Thank you for the 25 of you that did that. I wish everybody would be excited about the word, man. I'm so excited about being here, back in the house of God, a place of renewal, a place of energy, a place of encouragement, a place where you can walk away stronger than what you came in. Are you ready for that this Sunday morning? I'm ready for it. I am too. Here we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. In other words, he's saying, I didn't come to you with my human side. I didn't come trying to depend on my vocabulary or or my own carnal wisdom or insight that I may have personally. But he said, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So what he's saying there is, when I came to you, I came to you with the intent to simply reveal who Jesus really is and who he is in my life. And then I came to tell you and represent and tell you that what he did for you and I on the cross. Those two principles, who Jesus was and what Jesus did. That's what he said. So I come to, do, I come to, to you determined to not know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. I love the transparency of Paul. And I think the strength that you and I have should always be linked to transparency. We can't allow pride to get a hold of us to say, uh, nothing's wrong, I'm okay. You know, it's okay to feel, feel uh, emotional or have fear. It doesn't make you a sinner. It doesn't make you bad. But when you acknowledge those weaknesses in your life, you can go to God for help, and God gives grace to the humble. And so he said, when I came to you, I was in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit. Everyone say Spirit. And of power. Everyone say power. Everybody say power. With power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the what? Power of God. In the power of God. This is the last sermon for this series called Power Tools. We end it today, but we're ending on the note of understanding your power and authority. Now, let me begin by saying this. We fully understand through leadership concepts that authority is really the power to influence True authority is influence. When someone gives you permission to stand in a place of representation, then you have the ability to influence others. 
So dealing with people, authority means not to control, not to try to abuse, not to try to flaunt your power, but to influence others. But we're going to deal with the flip side of this because the church needs to understand a, re a, a really a realization, have a realization, and have an open mind towards this one fact that we have authority over every spirit, over every devil, over every ploy, over every strategy, over every plan that the devil has against us. As we love people, as we accept God's will, you have to have one thing in mind, that there is nothing and no one that can stop you from seeing the will of God in your life. And you have been given authority to execute power in your life. And when you're under the proper authority, you will see changes happen for you. So you can start walking in a different authority and stop some things from coming into your life because you have the power and you've been given the right to put boundaries around your family, around your life, around your job, around your career, and you are able to do exceedingly abundantly according to all that you can ask or think according to the power that works inside of you. Did you catch that? Was that too fast? In other words, we're going to learn today how to prosper. You're going to learn today how to take authority and what your authority is. So why don't you bless the service one more time all over the place. I know it's summertime, but let the Lord shine in your life right now and, and release it. Now you bless the atmosphere. Let's say, God, just clear the atmosphere of all distraction. And, and Father, let my ears hear and prepare my hearts to receive. Prepare our hearts to receive every good thing from you. Dear God, we thank you for, for speaking to us today and, and directing us and teaching us. Let a spirit of revelation, understanding, and light come to us today. And, and Lord, just bless every person here and let their hearts be, be changed, God, and give us understanding and light in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Now, before you're seated, one good time. Clap your hands to Jesus strong. Tell him thank you beforehand because he's fixing to bless you. He's fixing to bless you. Amen. Now turn around to somebody else and tell them you have authority. And you can be seated. God, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Jesus. So happy to be here. Just damn. You know, there are... There are many concepts and principles uh, that we believe as Christians. Uh, we, you and I have, have learned throughout the years that we've learned how to play good church, in other words. That's what I'm trying to say. We've learned how to uh, become something and act a certain way to fit in or become something in the eyes of people. Right? We are very good at... Uh, playing the role. We are very good at playing the role sometimes. And if you're not careful, if we're not careful, we can play the role of a Christian. Are you ready? Without actually being one. It's just a fact. We have done it many times within ourselves. We have put a smile on when we didn't feel like smiling. 
You looked happy, but you weren't, and you were suffering on the inside. We are very good at masking things in our life and covering up things where we hide them. And then what, ha what happens when you keep on hiding those and not releasing these things? It's like, a, it's like a Coke bottle that you put your thumb on and you shake it up. And then one day when someone comes and just says the wrong thing or something happens, we release that and it spews everywhere. There is things and there are principles and there is a mentality to have to ward off and to keep back every tactic, all frustration, to live in peace, to live in harmony, to not always have a, 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 a battle going on in your mind, but there's a place that you can get to where you are ahead of the game, where you're not living in a lifestyle of defense, but you're walking in a strong offense. You're walking in a place of true authority where you have allowed God to come in and allowed him to prepare a table in front of your enemies, and the enemy can't stop you from having a good dinner, if you understand what I'm saying. The concept's taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 23, where he says that he leads me into green pastures, takes me to still waters. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. That means that God will lead you to a place in your life where you are literally enjoying life and the enemy can't do anything about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He prepares a table which references the side of a hill or a place in flat land where sheep can graze and, and enjoy life. While the shepherd stands away, oversees, and sees you and protects you. And he's prepared that area of your life where there are no, no thorns, no thistles, no poisonous plants, anything that would harm you. You can live in harmony. You can live in peace. You don't have to live in a place where you constantly feel like you're going through a battle. You are always going to fight. You're always going to war. You're always going to have to pray. You're always going to have to live, but you don't have to do it from the defensive perspective. And you don't have to do it in the place where you're trying to catch up. Have you ever done catch-up prayer? Not catch-up, catch-up. Have you ever done catch-up prayer where, where you, you, you walk into something in your life, you walk into a new season, or you, you do something new, and then when you're in there, then you start praying, God bless it, God do this, and you're fighting off everything that's in that new season. And you're trying to catch up in prayer so God can start working. Have we ever thought about this? Why not do the praying and the speaking beforehand? Let God go before us, take care of those things, so when you get into your new season, you can do what you're supposed to do without distraction. You, and you can maintain that position in prayer through speaking the word, through proper meditation, and quite honestly, most of our struggle is within, in the brain, in the mind. That's where the true battlefield is. But once we get aligned with God's authority, 
things change. So the Apostle Paul says, I don't want to know anything among you. I didn't come trying to tell you who I was. He said, I wasn't dependent on my own natural intelligence. I wasn't dependent on my own intelligence. But I was more dependent on two things. Jesus in my life and what he did for me. And based on those two things, that's when I opened my mouth. That's when I caught a concept that when I am weak, he is strong. When I'm humble, he gives me grace. When I don't depend on myself and my own strength, then he strengthens me. He empowers me. And so I didn't come to you with excellent speech, with words of wisdom from my own brain, my own thought, my own concept, but I have come to you in the demonstration of the power of the Spirit and full dependency on God where I rely on him. The reason why Paul was so effective in changing his world for God's sake is, was, is because he was dependent. Now, this is the amazing part about his story is that beforehand, before Paul's life, he was so smart, so intellectual, such an intellect. It's said that Paul, according to our standards in our modern day, that he had two doctrines in his life. He sat at the feet of religious professionals, professors. He knew the laws. He had a degree, and not just one, but two. And he was able. And if anyone, if anyone was going to be arrogant and proud, it would be Paul. So let's have him describe to us who he knew he was and what he is and what he had to transition from. Transition from an old Paul, an old Saul to a, to a Paul. Here's what Paul said in Philippians 3, 4, and 14. It says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. He said, if there was anybody here in this room that has a reason to, to bloat, to, 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 to brag, to show off, it's me. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. He said, my lineage, my family, I come from good stock. I come from the house of Benjamin. My bloodline is pure. I'm a hybrid. Paul had a sense of pride in his life because of the family he came from and the tribe he was a part of with Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was one of Israel's sons, and the lineage that came out of the loins of Jacob are Israel. The 12 tribes, he had the pure bloodline. He was 100%, 100% Jew. Concerning the law, a Pharisee. I know as much as a Pharisee. In fact, it was said that Paul was going to go into and had, 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 had 
um, ambitions to become part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the oversight, the lawmakers and the judges over Israel. He had that kind of intellect. He said, I was a Pharisee, blameless. In other words, I lived up to the laws and the standards of my people. I was flawless, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ now. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now he's stepping down to our level and he's saying that I, I don't even rely on my past. I don't rely on my family name. I'm not going to be dependent on my knowledge of the law. I am not going to live there and be that person, but I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to obey the knowledge and find after to see who Jesus is. I want to know more about him. And he said, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, for his sake, the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed, being conformed to his death. In other words, to, to die is gain. And, to, and, and, and when I'm not me, I'm, I want to be identified as him, and I don't want to be me. I want to be like him. So he's pushing this, and he's trying to tell, he's trying to tell the Philippians, this is who I am. If by any means, in verse 11, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained, for I am already perfected, but I press on. But I press on that I may lay hold for that which, is, which, which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. In other words, something's grabbed a hold of me is what he's saying. Now I'm trying to grab a, grab a hold of it or him. That's what he's saying. Now, brethren, do not count myself to have, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Forget those things which are behind me and reach forward to the things which are ahead. I press forward. I press toward the goal for the prize upward, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So all of these accomplishments mean nothing to me. I, I, I have a degree. I'm, I'm trained. I have political influence. It's just amazing to me to see this transition. This, this, everyone, is really the real miracles. The real miracles that we see in life is God changing a heart. No one can change a heart. That's most of our problem, that we wrestle with heart issues, and we wrestle with other people's heart issues. And when God steps in and changes a heart, life becomes so much more easier and when God changes our heart, he begins to work through us, and, and, and we do his will, right? But look at this miracle. Paul was a murderer. Paul persecuted the church, and now he's 
he's claiming that he has forgotten all of that. He doesn't care about those things and accomplishments. I think the biggest trap for us as human beings is, is that we live in the past and we are proud of our accomplishments and we live there in the past and we forget about the present and we have no future. The future doesn't change. That's like you and I saying, oh, last Friday I had a good meal. Mm. Prime rib. Hmm. Smashed potatoes. Smashed potatoes. I just found out there's such a thing as not mashed potatoes, but smashed potatoes. That was good, and I think that should hold me for the rest of the month. You would, you would die. Not literally, I think you can survive still, but you wouldn't make it off of one good meal a month. Your spirit man is going through that right now. Your spirit man cannot be fed only four times a month. The, the Spirit of God inside of you has to be the strongest area of your makeup. We are spirit, soul, and body, and the spirit man should be the strongest of all of them. And that's where the light comes from. That's where the strength comes from. That's where the revelation comes from. That's where the power comes from. And as long as you are starving out that spirit man inside of you, then you are going to be weak no matter how strong you look. You will miss the voice of God. We can miss opportunities. We can miss things for our family. We can step out of the will of God not even knowing what the will of God is. And we wonder why we have so many problems. I'm here to convey to you I'm here to say to you, a lot of the problems we have is based on bad decisions. A lot of the problems we have in relationships is based on bad decisions. But when you have light, listen, he was a strong religious leader, a political leader, transformed into a servant of Christ. Now, he went from fighting against the faith from fighting for the faith. To me, the, 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 most, the most important thing to realize is, is that he went from depending on himself to depending on Christ. He knew the higher authority. He knew who had real power. He knew and had a revelation. Light is what changed him, and light is what changes us. You may not have had a road to Damascus experience, but I guarantee you it was light that changed your mind and changed your heart. Paul had a light that physically shined spiritually, but he saw it physically. No one else, they just, they just were blinded by it, but they didn't hear the voice that came out of that light. See, God speaks from light, and everybody else probably is not going to hear the same thing that God is telling you, but it doesn't matter. Everyone needs their own personal experience with God, and everyone needs to understand we all need to hear the voice of God, not just the pastor. 
not just the elders, not just our staff, not just the TV evangelist. And we can't depend on, and I just, I, I'm not on a war path, but I am, I am simply burdened and I feel passion because I personally, I know God wants to see this for his people because I feel it. He wants us to be able to have ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church and get a revelation that he is the highest authority in our life. And anything you have accomplished up to now, it doesn't mean a thing without him. It doesn't mean a thing without him. It's not about us. It's not about our accomplishments. It's not about any of this. It is about him, him being glorified, him leading us, him guiding us, him directing us, him protecting us, and us loving him back. Because he's just such a good God. He is such a wonderful God. He cares about us. He cares about our upgoing. He cares about our going in and going out. He cares about the next step you're fixing to take. He cares about you and sees everything. We're talking about someone who can see in advance what lies ahead. God fills all space and time. It's a hard concept to realize and to grasp in our thinking, but he fills all things. He's eternal. That means that he's not bound by time like you and I. He neither sleeps nor slumber, that he doesn't get tired. He, he doesn't look at the watch and say, oh, my God, we didn't got enough time. He has plenty of time. He's in eternity. And, but once we can synchronize with him and we get aligned with him, then now you're on God's time, and he's in your time. And whatever you do will prosper Whatever you do will prosper. Here's what I want to share with you. He was a well-educated man that realized he needed Jesus. This is the greatest challenge in our generation, in all of us right now. We have become more dependent on hearing the voice of Siri, Alexa, and Google than we have to hear the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We went on vacation, and we had a, as big as my family is, we can't get hotels. That would break us, so we find houses to stay in. We're nomads. And this one particular house had Alexa in it. So everybody, and it was really cool in this house, because in this house, you'd say, Alexa, kitchen lights on, and they would turn on. Alexa, living room lights on, and they would turn on. And then you say, Alexa, give us some blue lights, and they'd do that. And you start, it was a smart house. And all you had to do was tell Alexa what to do. And then it would respond and do it. And I had another one in my room that was tied in with that, and I could change lights and do things from where I was at. And I was thinking, yeah. And I was thinking, man, this is cool. So while the kids and everyone was there and I was in my room just, just relaxing and so forth, I, I just would say, hey, Alexa, turn those kitchen lights green at 100%. <laughs> and it would, it would respond to me. And it would do that. Probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen. But, but nonetheless, what I'm saying is, is that most of you are so dependent now, and we, we're challenged because if we don't know something, and I'm guilty of this, and I think it's great, and I'm not going to stop doing this, and I'm not preaching against it, 
But I will say that isn't it so easy to get knowledge now? You know, how many of you would agree that you may not have a, a degree, but you can get as much education just by going on the Internet? Yeah. Really, honestly, how many of you believe that? You can read any book you want to. You can order from Amazon. You can order any, even without going to college, you can order the books that are actually sold to the students, and you can do your own stuttering, studying. <laughs> you can do everything and learn everything. Knowledge is a wealth of knowledge out there. And we can be, become so dependent on technology where why do we need the voice of God? When we have knowledge, when we can read, when we can learn, and we take pride in that, and that's great. And let me just simply tell you, I believe education is very important. I do. I believe education is so important. But God wants to take your education, and he wants to take your knowledge and use it for his will and so he can be glorified. And what you couldn't do with your own strength, God can take who you are and elevate you and move you and excel your purpose. If we would just stay there long enough for him to change us. An education is a wonderful thing. An education is a necessary thing. But an educated mind without the dependency of the power of God can be a dangerous thing. I encourage all of our college students, don't leave Jesus behind at home when you go to school, but learn how to take him with you everywhere as you go. Learn to keep your prayer life. I, I think our college students will understand this, but I can tell you there's a challenge in your prayer life and your Bible reading life once you feed the intellect very much. You start feeding the intellectual side of you a lot, then it almost becomes like a replacement for God because you're you're, you're astounded by the new knowledge, and it can be a false feeding. It can be something that you feel like you're getting fed, but you're really not getting fed unless it gets to your spirit. So you can almost decline spiritually as you're growing mentally. And I would encourage all of you, keep the balance. In fact, I don't believe that there's a, such a thing as uh, being balanced with God. I, be, I believe you need to be unbalanced with God. In the, sense of, in the sense of love, in the sense of understanding. Now, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. So here's what I want to tell you, that in order for you and I to grow in power, point number one and the only point I'm giving you today is this, and write it down. You have to ask yourself the hard question, do you really know your authority in Christ? Do you know your authority in Christ? Because we can have a false sense of authority. You can have a false sense of authority. Even when you have done financially well, even when you have done intellectually well, where you have learned and got degrees, you can have a false sense of authority in this world, in your world, to our business owners. You can have a sense of authority and whatever you say goes and people will follow suit. But remember, if you are a Christian, then you have the belief system, and I hope you do, that that business really belongs to Jesus because he's blessed you with it. 
He's enabled you to do it. And remember that he should always be your CEO, and he wants to use that for his glory and for his honor. And I promise you, if you'll put it in the hands of God by honoring him, he can take that business to another whole level. He can fix the problems in that business. He can work on the employees' hearts in that business if you will recognize him to be the sole authority of your life. And your prayers... And your prayers make a difference. Your prayers make a huge difference. When a mom or a dad knows their authority in Christ, it should always be exercised in the home. When you feel like things are chaotic in your family or in a relationship, remember, ask yourself, have I been using the authority that God has given me? When it comes to people, we're to love people we're not supposed to exercise authority and abuse our authority and to mistreat people, right? We're supposed to love people. But I'm going to say something now, and then we're going to switch the service over. I'm going to make a, just a sharp turn right now and tell you this. I've made that clear, but now I want to make something else clear. But when it comes to the devil, you should have no mercy on him. When it comes to spirits, some people don't even know that they're being controlled by a spirit and they're letting their emotions be played like an instrument. Did you know that God has a plan for you? Are you ready? But did you also know that Satan has a plan for you too? We don't think about that, do we? He does. He has a plan for you. And he has assigned spirits to mess with you. Remember, spirits don't get tired. They don't go to sleep. I had a bad dream the other night. It was tormenting. I felt a spirit was coming after me. And I woke up the next morning and I said, Lord, I haven't had this in a long time. Why did I have... Why did I have this? What's going on? Because I'm an analytical guy. I want to figure out why, where did it come from, and all this stuff, right? So I'm praying about it, and then the Lord kind of quickened to me, and he said, did you pray before you went to bed? I said, no. He, and he told me, he told me, he said, I don't sleep or slumber. You go to bed, but I keep on working. So if you want me to work in your sleep, then pray and release that authority before you go to bed. Ah. Now it changes everything. I got a revelation, understanding. I'm, I'm going to pray more, and I always have, but at a certain level, I need to reach a place where that when I go to bed, the Holy Ghost is still alive and waking, awake, and, 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 and guarding me. And I've had the Spirit of God work in my dreams when things would come against me. My spirit man would rise up and rebuke it. I've had those things happen. This may sound kind of foreign, but you need to know the reality because we need to be practical about, about, about Christianity. We need the practical side, but we also need the spiritual side. 
And in this church, no matter how big we get, no matter where we go, whatever, no matter what God does for us, we still have to keep our DNA of being spirit-filled Christians, sons of the living God, who understand that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices, who understand that we are dependent on the higher authority, that we're not a rebellious people, but we're not going to be pushed around. We're not going to be pushed around. Our children are not going to be bullied, right? And I'm not talking about at school, but I'm talking about in the spirit where influence comes in, you call the shots. I got to tell you, as a dad, when I pray for my kids, as a dad, my prayers are loving, but at certain times, that Comanche Indian comes out of me, and I start speaking to hell to leave them alone, get away from them, and I put a guard around them, and I have no mercy. No mercy. Because I know my authority as a son of God, and I'm not dependent on my good looks, although you think I am, but I'm not. I'm not dependent on the books that I've read. I will never be dependent in anything in this flesh because the spirit man knows all things, sees all things, has all power, has all authority. And I'm telling you here that God wants to be powerful in your life and the Lord wants you to use his authority. He wants you to claim stake to the area and the environment that you're a part of. And I'm telling you, when you walk with God, when you walk with him in a relationship, wherever you go, he goes there with you. He go I feel the Holy Ghost. He goes there with you. Every single time you're in trouble, let me tell you something. You may be in the middle of a storm, but here's what the devil sees when you walk with him. You're not fearful of the storm, but you become the storm in his life. There is nothing, there is no one that can come against you and separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You are more than just a human being with a family, with a title, with a nice house and car. You're more than that. You are a spirit being having a human experience. You are spirit before you are human, and that spirit will live forever, and that spirit is baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that spirit has authority, and that spirit, his name is Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. When Jesus stepped on the scene in the seaside of the Gadarenes, when Jesus walked and stepped out of the boat, he didn't have to have an announcement. He didn't put it and blast it on Facebook. He didn't have any technology. But when he stepped on the land, whatever was inside of him went out into, the, into that area, and hell knew who he was. And the devils came to him, and the devils didn't, couldn't hide. And the spirits that came out of that man said, why have you come early to hinder us, to stop us? What are you doing here? You're troubling us. And they begged him, cast me out. I want out of this fight. I don't want to be involved in this fight. I'd rather go live with the pigs and be in them. And when he cast them out, the pigs couldn't even tolerate the devils that were there. And they went and drowned themselves. So here's the question. If pigs 
don't want to live with devils, why do we? I'm telling you, there's an anointing in this house right now. If pigs don't want to live with devils, why do we? We have authority in our life. We have a love of God to protect our hearts from allowing things to come in. We have the voice of God that speaks to us. We have authority. When you walk in, hell should walk out. You, let me tell you something, mama. Let me tell you something, mother. Let me tell you something, father. Let me tell you something, daddy. It's not you that hell is afraid of. It is the Christ in you that he's afraid of. <laughs> A prayerless Christian does not intimidate the devil. I want you to write this down. This is, a, this is something God has shown me throughout the years. I have learned throughout the years, and I don't want you to be ignorant of, of how this works. But I want you to be insightful, and I'm going to give you a concept and a principle God has given me. And I want you to know this. When you begin to pray consistently, when you begin to get an understanding, most of us do not do it. Let's be very transparent. The reason why I know this is because I've been in a place before where I wouldn't pray like I should until there was problems. They don't look at me like I'm not, you know, you know just don't look at me. Look at yourself right now, okay? <laughs> because we have to be transparent. We have to be honest. If we're not transparent and honest, I can't help you. And the only thing I can do is tell you my mistakes and my failures so you can learn from them and not make the same thing. Or if you're going through it, you need to know what to do. So as I learned throughout the years, when I started to pray consistently, hell would cause problems. Okay? But he can't kill you or harm you. Okay? But he'll cause all of a sudden, you'll start seeing, after praying consistently, problems coming from every area. I'm all, I mean, I'm telling you, from every area, everything happens. I'm talking about physical manifestations, problems, people, everything. Drama, offense, I'm out of here. You understand? All these things. And what hell tries to do, it tries to discourage you from proceeding. And so what has happened throughout the years in Christianity, people have said in their hearts, they've never said this out loud. No one will say this out loud. I'll be the first one to say it. Man, I don't know about praying like this, man. If it's going to be hell, I'm going to face. I'm kind of scared what's going to happen next. Years ago, I had to break that fear and go beyond it. And say to myself, to die is to live in Christ. And you had to overcome the fear of death because in your mind you're thinking hell's going to kill you. Hell can't kill you. I went through a year of suffering with anxiety, panic attacks, 
because I used up all the serotonin in my body and I had no energy. And I get up to walk, I want to faint. I had no energy. And I laid in bed for such a long time. And my health went downhill. And I gained all this weight. And I couldn't exercise like I wanted to. And I was, I was living in fear. The spirit of death would come to my house. And I felt this spirit that would tell me, I'm going to kill you. You thought you are going to do something good for God. You thought you are going to, to change the world. You thought you are going to help these people. You thought that you are going to see more salvations. You thought you are going to see more people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You thought that you could help marriages. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to die early just like your dad and your brother. And I was scared. But God had me in a season where I had to face my fears. And I ignored it. Eventually, I learned. It didn't happen overnight, folks. Whoever tells you this happens overnight is not telling the truth. Being transitioned from being someone in your own mind to being a son of God takes you time. It is a born-again experience. It is literally a transition and a transformation. So the reason why most people get frustrated in this walk with Christ is because right when they start praying, this happens to new Christians. When they start praying, trouble starts happening, and they give up and say, I don't know about this, man. What I got, like, this is backwards. This is backwards. But here's a secret. If you will keep on pressing through and be consistent, those attacks will stop, and you'll start seeing the favor come in because now you have removed every strategy. See, this is why it's so important to pray in the Spirit because the Spirit of God will pray through you with groanings that cannot be uttered and speak and pray things and remove things that you don't even see. And then when you press through, you'll start seeing favor, authority, then you reach another level where it's tried to stop you reaching someplace else. Don't give up because you need to keep on pressing through. And you finally live in a place where you're ahead of the game now and everything's behind you and under you. And then you start realizing what authority you have. Then your prayers start getting answered, sometimes immediately. Sometimes you feel them happening as we speak. What do you think happened to Daniel? Daniel went into prayer. He violated the, the king's authority, the earthly king authority, but he was under another authority, and he had to go through all of this stuff, but he stayed consistent. Then finally, everything that was against him was now behind him, propelling him into his future. Like Chuck Yeager, when he broke the sound barrier. Remember we talked this a while back? All of these sermons tie in together. If you'll stay here, be consistent, and you will grow if you apply the principles that we teach. Chuck Yeager, when he broke through the sound barrier, he recorded in his biography, and, and, and history records it, people that interviewed him, he said that everything was shaking so bad before when he was trying to go through that sound barrier. He said he felt like it was going to fall apart. Everything was getting loose. The, 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 the jet was just shaking and vibrating. He thought it was going to explode. Then all of, a certain, all of a sudden, he heard a boom. 
And he broke the sound barrier, and it was peace and calm. He broke it because what was there that was resisting him was now behind him, propelling him. This is the secret to your authority. God has given me clear direction for this church to help you mature, to grow, to not be bullied, to walk in your authority. Don't, I'm going to say this, and you'll understand what I'm saying to you. If you're going to walk in authority, in freedom, and you're going to see your family blessed, you have to be consistent in prayer every single day. And don't try to outwear wear yourself out by saying, I'm going to pray an hour and get discouraged. Start with 10 minutes, 5 minutes every day. It will grow. Just start being consistent with God. And do it not just in the morning. Do it when you have a free moment. Pray in the spirit, men, when you're going to work. Pray and listen to the scripture and get focused on him. Have a breakthrough moment in your life. And I promise you, if you'll grow in Christ, hell can't stop what he has planned for you hell can't stop some of us are living in a place called in between where they're not allowing God to come into their life because they don't know their authority and they're still in a plan that hell's had for them some people are staying in a place of resistance and it seems like there are ceilings over your life what that is is that you have not allowed the authority of Christ to be released in your life to remove all obstacles. That's why our businesses don't make it. That's why our families have problems. That's why we constantly have issues with other people because those spirits that are assigned to you to hinder you, to put a fear in you, to restrict what's inside of you. I mean, I got to get through. I got to get through. Let me show you your authority. Your sole authority in your life is the word of God. Your sole authority is this right here. God's word. You have to know God's word and what God says. Because everyone has an opinion, but God has more than an opinion of you. He has a truth about you. Know your identity by understanding what God has said. I promise you, start in the New Testament if you haven't started consistently. Start memorizing and meditating on the scriptures. Just one, even if you did one a month, at least you'll have 12 at the end of the year in your arsenal. Pick things that are relevant to you, things that speak to you. Get personal with God. Get a personal revelation with him. He'll teach you. Oh, <laughs> He will teach you. He will show you. He will walk with you. He will talk with you. He will teach you how to walk with him. He'll show secrets in his word to you, and you can apply them in your life. I promise you this. It's the most wonderful thing you can ever have in your life is when the creator of all things speaks to you, and he shows you secrets. He shows you how to deal with things. He has a plan. But you see, Here's what I want to do with you right now and help you with. By God's grace, I want to help you. If the sole authority in your life is the scripture, you need evidence that that word is true. 
instead of believing everyone else that it's flawed. And here it comes, right here. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit for instruction in righteousness, for correction. Every man that has ever recorded in the Scripture has been inspired by God. It is the most perfect book you could ever read because these men didn't know each other, wrote at separate times, but yet you can see a tapestry of God's Spirit woven through the entire Scripture where it all ties in together. Every book correlates with the other. And they were written centuries, they were written decades off, centuries off, and at different times with different people, yet they all say the same thing. So the Bible is the inspired word of God. And then number two right here, the Lord himself, John chapter 4, John chapter 1, verse 14. I'm almost closing. I'm almost to the end. John chapter 1, verse 14 says that, number one, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And that was Jesus Christ. Now, here's what, I'm gonna, here's what you have to realize. In that scripture, there were prophecies. There were things written by prophets. Things spoke about that Jesus, that pointed to Jesus being the Messiah. And when Jesus came into this world and manifested himself in the flesh, it was a confirmation that everything that was written in the Bible was true. Everything. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And to his government there will be no end, and he shall carry his government upon his shoulders. And to his kingdom there will be no end. He was the seed and the offspring of David. He was the water that came in the wilderness in a dry desert place. He was a light to the Gentiles, according to Isaiah. Everything written. So he sat down with his disciples in the book of Luke. And he stayed with them in for 40 days and 40 nights and said to them, Now I'm going to expand the scriptures and tell you everything that Moses and the prophets wrote concerning me. And the, and the Messiah manifested himself in the flesh, confirming this word right here. And the last one, it's you and I. You and I confirm the word. 1 Corinthians 1 and 6 says that the testimony of Christ was confirmed inside of you and me when we experience him. How many of you have felt the spirit of God today? Did you know that that was validation that everything written in this word is true he said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh that word is true he said he would deliver us from prison he would deliver us from darkness and he would bring us into his marvelous light that means understanding enlightenment and a changed heart that word is true 
So you have authority in your life that comes from God's word. And that word is true. And that word can pass the test of time and has. For heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not pass away. So we are dependent on that. And here's the good news. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. You know what that means? That means the one who lives and abides inside of you has all authority. And as long as you're under his authority, then it means that you have the same right as he does. Yes, you do. You have the same authority that he had. Words that say that in the Bible, Pastor. Here's where it says it. Greater the work shall you do. But what about the apostles? What, what they wrote and what they said? Jesus prayed a prayer in, 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 in John 17, 17, in John in 17th chapter, and he said, He said, I pray not for these alone, but that those that hear their word, that they will receive their word just as they have received mine. Go read it. Jesus validated the apostles because everything they wrote down was by inspiration of God. And it was his word flowing through them. So Jesus prayed a prayer for all of us that anyone who hears the words of the apostles would receive them, receive those words just as the apostles had received it from Jesus himself. Read it. This word validates everything. Who you are. Start believing that. Start believing that. Here's what I want to conclude with this Sunday morning. Thank you so much for receiving this today. Do you receive this today? Here's what I want to share with you. It's not about who you're over. It's about who you're under. It's not about who you're over. Lose that arrogance and that mentality. It's about who you're under. The centurion said, Lord, I I know the power and the authority that you've got because I'm a man in in similar authority. I'm under authority and I'm over authority. I say to that man, go, he goes. I say to this one, come, he comes. I know how this works. So Lord, just speak the word and I know it's going to be done. And so Jesus said, I've not seen so so much faith, not even in all Israel. And he said, your servant is healed. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that you don't have to wait for something supernatural, an angel to show up, or you don't have to try to look for a sign. He's given us the sign already. He's given us the word already. And all you've got to do is just receive that word and start living that word and start listening to God. And when God begins to speak to you in your life, just release the word and it's going to happen. It's going to happen when God says it. You have to receive it. Somebody praise him right now. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So here's a question. What are you facing in life right now? What are you going through? What are you experiencing? Where do you feel like the limits are? What do you feel like restricting you? What's coming against your family? Can I tell you, nothing is too hard for God to handle, and you have what it takes inside of you. You just got to be consistent. 
be consistent. The breakthrough is coming. The breakthrough is coming. And what's against you is going to be behind you. And it's going to push you into your future. Somebody say amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.